In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Years ago, I had a Sunday off from an internship where I was working, and so I was able to visit a church that I had always wanted to visit. Um, I knew of it from its, its music and its reputation and its various ministries. It was a, um, a wealthy kind of powerhouse of a church. And so I was a little timid uh, that first Sunday as I um, prepared to go to this church where I knew no one uh, but was hoping to, to pass as a visitor. And so I put on my favorite suit and tie and, uh, and went to church um, It was um, an impressive ceremony. The music was phenomenal. Um, The preaching, good. Everything was was perfectly choreographed, um, if slightly chilly. Uh, When it came time to pass the piece, there was a a very quick sort of nodding of the piece. But it was clearly a church that probably didn't like the idea of, of passing the piece. And so they did as little of that as they had to. Finally, we got through the service, and I thought, well, this, this was a nice experience, and I stayed for the organ postlude, which was sensational and sort of concert hall quality. And at the very end, this person next to me began to lean over, and I thought, well, this, this is nice. They're, they're going to be friendly and welcome me. And uh, this man leaned over, and he said, excuse me, I thought you'd want to know there's a very slight tear under your right sleeve on your suit. That was the extent of human contact that I had at that church that morning. Of course, I was mortified because I was wearing what I thought was this great Glen plaid suit. And yes, I'd gotten it at a thrift store, but it was, it was, it was a great suit. And, um, and yet, clearly, there was a rip. Um, I sort of felt like there was a big mark on me as I walked through the church. And I thought, everyone probably has noticed the guy in the bad suit. Um, Today's gospel can sound a little like that on first hearing. Um, There's a big wedding feast. It's the the wedding feast that a king is throwing, and and some poor person comes, and they're not wearing the right thing, and they're sent away. But the gospel is a little richer than that. Biblical scholars suggest that for a wedding of this sort, uh, a wedding of a wealthy person in uh, Jesus' day, or certainly if there's a king involved, a wedding of that scale, uh, would have been a little different from an ordinary wedding that you or I might attend. In such a wedding as this, one would get an invitation, but along with the invitation, one would receive a wedding garment And so you would be sent the very thing that you needed to wear to the wedding. So imagine such a feast where not only do you get a a beautiful sort of frame-worthy invitation, but then the next day you get a really nice outfit, maybe worth more than you could ever spend yourself. And so it would be that outfit then that you would wear to the wedding feast. And so what's going on in this particular story that Jesus tells, it's not a factual story, it's a, it's a parable, it's an allegory of sorts, it's just a story to illustrate a point. 
But what seems to be going on is that this king is throwing a huge bash for his son to get married and does this inviting ritual of sending an invitation out, but then also sending out the garment. So everybody has what they should wear, correct? But this one person shows up not wearing what they were sent. And so it would have been an affront. It would have really been a statement. It would have meant that for some reason this person is refusing the hospitality of the host. It means not only a breach in etiquette, but it would have been understood as an insult, a refusing of generosity, a kind of vulgar assertion of pride. All that is hidden in this little innocent story of a marriage feast. When St. Matthew, the gospel writer, tells this story in his context, the early Christian community is hearing it in their terms, just as we might hear it in our terms. The community around St. Matthew had been followers of Jesus Christ, but they had, been, they had understood themselves as faithful Jews, but then had been thrown out of the synagogue. And so when they hear this story of Jesus, they, they hear those who have been thrown out as the faithful ones, and those who've done the throwing out as those who have refused the generosity and graciousness of God. There are people who feel like they're outcasts. And so how must they hear this story of God's welcome? God throws open the doors and invites everybody. God God sends an invitation to everybody and gives them the very thing they need to come to this rich feast, this enormous banquet. When Jesus tells this story, he's offering an image of the kingdom of God. Matthew is doing the same thing. And in our hearing, we're meant to hear this as an invitation for the kingdom of God. Not a place, not a thing, not even a thing in this world, but the kingdom of God being a realm, an awareness, um, a presence of God that breaks through in little tiny bursts. And so the kingdom is here and there and here and there and everywhere if we're open to it. And it prepares us for that day when we we meet God one-on-one and we're, we're absorbed into the absolute and eternal kingdom of God. But it begins here. It begins now. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is is like someone who throws an enormous marriage feast, an enormous party, and invites everyone. The scripture from the Hebrew Scripture, the reading from Isaiah, uh, uses a term for God, Lord of hosts. It means in English that word host being a little like an army of hosts, a big, a big bunch of people. God is a God of might surrounded by others who have power. But I love the play on words that are allowed in English, Lord of hosts, <laughs> Lady of hosts. The very best host or hostess we can possibly imagine. That's who God is. God is like that one we might think of, who always has a little something on the counter to, to offer us. Someone who is always ready to, to go to the store and get for you or for me. Someone who brings a casserole or food when we're not feeling well or when we've just come back from the hospital. Imagine that to the the nth degree. 
And ours is a God who is the Lord of all hospitality, the giver of all good things, the one who sets a table fit for a feast, and everyone is invited. At the Last Supper, Jesus set a table and invited all those who would come. He hinted toward an ongoing celebration of that ritual. And that's a ritual we celebrate using an altar, a table that that extends through all time and place. It's a full table, but there's always room for more. All are invited, but there are expectations of the guest. The gospel today puts that in terms of wearing the right thing. Of course, it's not necessarily a physical thing we wear to the banquet of God. St. Paul helps us imagine it as a spiritual thing. In his letter to the Colossians, Paul writes, Put on then, wear like clothes, compassion and kindness and lowliness and meekness, Put on patience and forbearing one another. And if someone has a complaint against another, put on forgiveness, just as God has shown you what forgiveness looks like. And above all, put on love. Wear it like a loose garment that binds everything together in perfect harmony. In other words, we're to clothe ourselves with Christ himself, with his words, with his actions, with his heart. In some traditions, when there is a baptism, whether that person being baptized is an infant, a child, or an adult, the person is given a new garment to wear. It's bright white. And as a part of the baptismal rite, the officiant says, you receive this garment and wear it unstained until the day that we present ourselves before God, wearing garments of white. It it draws on language from the Revelation. This idea that we present ourselves wearing all that we are. If that feast were today, what would we wear? Would we be wearing the right thing? It's possible, I think, to approach the table of God, the feast of God, the kingdom of God, a little bit overdressed. (laughs) Some of us might be overdressed in that we've worked so hard at faith, at belief. We've developed theologies and ideas and our own understandings. We, We know what they are and are quickly willing to share it with others. We've seen what we've seen and can no longer be surprised or angered, or delighted. And so we carry the weight of God around heavily, like, like heavy garments. And so for those of us who might be in that category, the idea of a wedding garment, of something new, might come as something lighter, something lighter that we might ever have possibly imagined. God invites us to put on something that's simpler, that's easier, that's lighter. Others of us might find ourselves a a bit underdressed, approaching God's table and accepting God's invitation. We might have accepted the invitation, but then we hold back from really coming to the table, whether physical or spiritual. Maybe we don't think we're worthy. Maybe we've got old words or worn-out theologies telling us we're not worthy. 
maybe we're suspicious. What does all this mean? And what does it mean if I'm involved? Or perhaps maybe we just haven't heard yet that everyone is invited. Everyone is welcome. God chooses each and every one of us. Throughout the scriptures today, there is imagery of a feast, a feast of biblical proportions. What does that feast look like to you? A few years ago, the Episcopal Church lost a real saint in the death of Robert Farrar Capon, an Episcopal priest out on Long Island. I believe he had visited Holy Trinity at one point, and maybe a few of you heard him speak. Um, Judith Jones, who died recently, knew Father Capon, and they had shared a couple of stories and events together. Father Capon had an interesting past. Um, He had a big family and a wife, and then all of that sort of blew up in a a notorious divorce. And this was some years ago when that was not the done thing. And so the bishop uh, made him get out of his church and not be a priest for some time. And so Father Capon found another love, another sacrament even, cooking. And Capon cooked and wrote recipes and shared it with people. He wrote a number of books in which he he talks about the wonder of food, the, the sacramentality of God's good gifts to each one of us. Today we begin very softly moving into a season of stewardship, a season where we invite one another to to think about how God has blessed us, how God has has, uh, fed us richly over time, and of all God's promises for us today and into the future. And we're invited to think about how we can share with this church and with the world in the future Father Capon reminds us of of the blessing that God has given us as he writes a particular prayer of thanksgiving. And so even though it's a little long, I share the prayer with you now. He asks, O Lord, refresh our sensibilities. Give us this day our daily taste. Restore to us soups that spoons will not sink in and sauces which are never the same twice. Raise up among us stews with more gravy than we have bread to blot it with, and casseroles that put starch and substance to our limp modernity. Take away our fear of fat, and make us glad of the oil which ran upon Aaron's beard. Give us pasta with a hundred fillings and rice and a thousand variations. Above all, give us grace to live as true people, to fast till we come to a refreshed sense of what we have, and then to dine gratefully on all that comes to hand. Drive far from us, O most bountiful, all creatures of air and darkness. Cast out demons that possess us. Deliver us from the fear of calories and the bondage of nutrition. And set us free once more in our own land, where we shall serve thee as thou hast blessed us, with the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine. Amen. Hungry yet? (laughs) We should. We're invited to come to church hungry, 
hungry for the very God that will sustain us and promises to sustain us this day and forevermore. If we try, if we're open to it, each meal, each Eucharist can be a foretaste, a promise of what is to come. And we wear to the feast those things that Christ gives us. Faith offers us daily a change of clothing so that we can little by little wear that white garment from baptism, that same garment given to us by God. May we have minds and hearts and bodies large enough to perceive and accept the wideness of God's mercy this day and every day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.